0: ESPN radio
1: Sometimes you have to shoot a hostage. Apparently those are words to live by if you're Lakers executive Rob Palenko you're listening to ESPN radio. On the ESPN app and SiriusXM channel 80, it's your boy Chris Canny rocking with Amber Wilson. Hit us up on the, the Twitter line at AmberW790, at Chris candy 99 And as always, tap in on the Canny call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888 3776 And Amber, on a day where I'd rather be talking about anything else, opening weekend in Major League Baseball, Scotty Scheffler winning the Masters with Tiger Woods making the cut, we could be talking about what's going on in the National Football League and a report out there about Tom Brady and your Miami Dolphins. But no, we have to start with my L.A. Lakers, who miserably ended the season yesterday with a win in overtime, 146-141 to against the Denver Nuggets. But that's not the headline because shortly after yesterday's game, we got a woge bomb with our very own Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Lakers were poised to part ways with their head coach, Frank Vogel. And ultimately, that was the decision that the organization announced moments ago. And now we're hearing LeBron James give his exit interview and speaking with the media and addressing the current state of the team. And it just seems like it was a disaster. And the headline that everybody should pay attention to is the one out there in the LA Times article by Broderick Turner and, uh, and my man Dan Wojcoy, and he says the, the title of the article, Amber, is The Big Fail Inside the Lakers' Most Disappointing Season in Franchise History. And I think that perfectly encapsulates what has to be a disastrous year out in Southern California for my Lakers.
2: Yeah, nobody can say anything, I don't think, to really defend this season for the Los Angeles Lakers. We will hear some sound from LeBron. He did kind of attempt to do it in his exit interview, but also he was giving that exit interview before his coach had even been officially fired from the Lakers. We all knew this was coming, though, Chris Canty, right? Like, we knew that Vogel was going to be the first one to take the fall for what happened here with the Lakers. And frankly, the problems with Los Angeles this season extended so far beyond Frank. Vogel. Like, I mean, we're talking about a dude who helped them win a championship just a couple years ago, but this is what happens when you have LeBron on your team. There's going to be moments where you're going to get the praise when they are successful and man, when they are not you're going to take the fall and frankly, everybody else is going to take the fall around LeBron it's not going to be LeBron who ends up taking the fall for this one. Even if we think some of this is on his shoulders, he's not going to take the fall unless he wants to take the fall and then that's not really taking the fall. In other words. If he wants to be traded away, then maybe that's a different conversation. But short of that, it's going to be LeBron's way. And the first part of that way was going to be Frank Vogel parting ways with the organization. There will probably be others. There's going to be major fallout because absolutely this season did not meet the expectations that you have for the Los Angeles Lakers at any point because of who that organization is, but also when you have the greatest player of his generation on your team.
1: It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Amber, to your point, this is a massive disappointment. This is the fourth worst uh, in terms of fewer wins than the betting total of any team in the last 10 seasons. And this is according to Caesar Sportsbook. The Lakers had 19 and a half fewer wins than the betting total. Their over-under in wins this year coming into the season was 52 and a half. Of course, they had 33 wins. So, for the team to finish 16 games under five hundred. I don't know that you can characterize this year as anything but a disappointment. They came in this year as the betting favorite according to Westgate Superbook. They were the second betting favorite at Caesars Sportsbook. And so for the team to not even be in the play-in tournament when you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook all poised to be future Hall of Famers, I I don't know that you can look at it any other way than a failed year. And so I guess in trying to spin it forward, removing Frank Vogel as your head coach, it seems like something that was obvious. We all knew it was going to happen, but I don't necessarily know that it fixes anything because the issues with this team are systemic. You're talking about a roster that was poorly put together, and we knew coming into this year, Amber, this is one of the oldest teams in the NBA. They had five guys over the age of 35. So it's a, it's a, the reality is that it was going to be a struggle for them to be able to keep pace with some of the younger teams in the Western Conference. They weren't going to be as good defensively. And we know that's their head coach's personality, and that's his calling card. Frank Vogel is known as being one of the best defensive coaches in the entire NBA. And the fact that you didn't lean into that and you went in the opposite direction, opting for more offense, when defense is what won you a championship a couple of years ago, That's probably the most disappointing point for me. It's like you didn't understand exactly who you were, and ultimately that ended up undermining any potential that you had to make a deep run in the playoffs this year.
2: Well, who you were is a team where the three key pieces of your team only played together in 21 games – and they only won 11 of those games when they played together. And LeBron said it was impossible for them to build chemistry, LeBron, AD and Russell Westbrook, because they weren't ever out there on the court. But that ain't Frank Vogel's fault, right? I mean, the reason that Vogel was having to go through all sorts of lineups and rotations is largely because yes, they were dealing with injury issues all throughout the season, but you should have known that based on who you brought in to construct that roster, the ages of those players and the durability when it comes to Anthony Davis in his part of, this I I do think that Vogel is going to be the first piece here but like you said Chris what does this actually fix I mean even if you bring in a better coach fine I mean I guess but most teams would take a coach that wins an NBA title every few years right I mean he just won one a couple years ago that's what what is remarkable about this story but when a team underperforms to this level all sorts of heads are going to roll whether it's warranted or not
1: And that's straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to have Jorge Sedano to come on the show, and he's going to give us uh, some more insight into what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers. But, Amber, let's hear from Frank Vogel. This was at his press conference yesterday reacting to a reporter questioning him about the tweet Woj put out about him being fired. Take a listen. Uh, My reaction is uh, I haven't been told And I'm going to enjoy tonight's game, celebrate what these young guys did in terms of uh, scratching, scratching, clawing,
2: getting, getting back in this game, getting a W. And, uh, you know, we'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that sounds great, Ever. You can deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. But the reality is that we've seen this coming for a while now with the team that went 6-18 and 18, since the All-Star break. You had to know that somebody was going to take the fall. And Frank Vogel is clearly being scapegoat. But again, he didn't have a whole lot of great options given the organizational decisions and how they wanted to construct this roster you think about some of the things that they did this past offseason it just seems like it doesn't make any sense and the pieces that they brought in didn't fit together first and foremost being russell westbrook who has a 47 million dollar player option in next next upcoming season
2: yeah i think the way that roster was constructed that's the problem the personnel on this roster That's the problem. It's not the coaching that's necessarily the problem. But you and I both knew Frank Vogel was going to get fired. Everybody knew Frank Vogel was going to get fired. So Frank Vogel knew Frank Vogel was going to get fired. I do think that this is a really cruddy way to find out if he's telling the truth there that nobody had had a conversation with him before the game. There's already a Woj report out there, a Woj bomb, if you will, saying that he's going to get fired, even if it wasn't official yet. That is a cruddy way to find out that you're losing your job. But the truth is we all knew this was going to happen because of who you're coaching and where you're coaching, and so I'm sure Frank Vogel expected this was going to happen as well.
1: No doubt about it. So, I mean, this is one of those things that seemed like it was an obvious decision, but the question now remains, where do the Lakers go from here? Who's going to be the next head coach of this team? We're hearing names like Quinn Snyder floated out, Sam Cassell, assistant coach for the 76ers, also Doc Rivers, their head coach. And so I think a lot of people want to know what's going to happen next. I I I heard from our very own Adrian Wojnowski that this is a situation where it's going to be an exhaustive search and the answer might not be obvious or might not be in the marketplace currently. This might have to be a prolonged search where we have to wait and see how the playoffs play out and then see you know what options become available and who could potentially be interested in leaving their current situation to come take over the Lakers job. But I got to say, Amber, with the lack of resources, with a team that doesn't control their first-round pick, until 2025 at the earliest with a team that has $149 million tied up in payroll in the upcoming season in seven players and projected to be $27 million over the cap, the Lakers aren't in great shape in terms of having the assets and the resources to dramatically reshape this roster.
2: Yeah, what are you selling to these coaches? I mean, there's a report out there that Nick Nurse is somebody that they're targeting. So when you call up Nick Nurse, what are you selling him? I guess the opportunity to coach LeBron. I mean, he's not many years removed from a championship himself up in Toronto. And why would he leave coaching like a Pascal Siakam to come to a Los Angeles Lakers organization that right now seems like it's in shambles in terms of their roster? Yes, typically, if you had told somebody a couple years ago, you get to coach LeBron and you get to coach Anthony Davis, that would have sounded like a dream job in LA I'm just not sure it sounds quite the same right now coming off of this season
1: well who's to blame for the Lakers season coming up next we'll get the word on the street out in LA from somebody that is in the know but first a word from Indeed if springtime is kicking your hiring season into full bloom, then you need Indeed. Their powerful all-in-one hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. You can even conveniently schedule and conduct virtual video interviews right from the Indeed website. Visit Indeed.com credit and get $75 toward your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
0: The Lakers were a joke this year. There is so much blame. There's blame everywhere. Vogel's going to take the fall.
1: What's your reaction to to hearing that? Uh, My reaction is uh, I haven't been told and I'm going to enjoy tonight's game, celebrate what these young guys did. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And right now, Amber, we got to go out to the Canny call-in line to bring in our very own George Sedano from ESPN LA 710. And, George, I'm the resident Lakers fan, so today was one of those things that I expected. But nonetheless, it still doesn't feel good because I don't know the projected path forward for my team. So we knew that Frank Vogel was probably going to be moving on. Where do the Lakers turn next? What's the next order of business for this organization?
0: Well, they're going to try to get a coach, Chris and Amber, uh, probably by the draft or before that. In theory, mid June, so probably somewhere where you know, in theory, where the NBA Finals would still be going on. But it, it's just wild. This whole thing is is insane to me. I mean, it would be laughable if it wasn't shameful the way they handled this thing. Where and look, Adrian Wojnarowski is just doing his job. I don't. I'm not blaming him, but if he knows the organization knows. and to just send your coach out there last night. And you know, you played the bite a second ago where he says, I didn't know bleep or I don't know bleep uh, or no one's told me bleep. I mean, that's just awful. Like what kind of organization does that to somebody who won them a championship? I mean, what are we talking about here? I, I, I mean, if that's the way you're going to treat the quote unquote family, how do you treat your enemies for God's sake?
2: Yeah, won a championship with them. I mean, just a couple years ago. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable if that is, in fact, how he found this out. But we all knew, George, that uh, Vogel was going to end up being a scapegoat for what happened this season. Who else is going to end up being a scapegoat? I mean, whether, what other heads do you actually think are going to roll here for the Lakers?
0: Well, I think the staff will get, you know, as far as the coaching staff, because they'll be a new head coach. They'll want that person. They'll want their own people in there for the most part. I think there'll be changes there, but I don't think Amber, there's going to be a ton of more changes to be honest with you, because the Lakers are a very small tight knit group. And Jeannie bus relies on a couple of associates, uh, Linda and Kurt Rambis to help make decisions and kind of be the buffer between her as the governor and the other aspects of the organization, particularly on, on the floor. And, Obviously, Rob Palenka has a long-standing relationship with her because of the relationship he had with Kobe Bryant as his agent for so many years. So, it, it, there's not a lot of heads to roll here because there's just a few people that make these decisions in this organization.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Knicks fans don't want to relive that nightmare that was Kurt Rambis being involved with their franchise, but I digress, George. Talking with ESPN NBA reporter George Sedano on ESPN Radio, and earlier today, George, LeBron James said that he still wants to compete for championships and making it sound like that his long-term future was still going to be with the Los Angeles Lakers organization Just from a practical standpoint, how is LeBron going to accomplish that, to compete for championships with a franchise that doesn't have much in the way of assets or resources for the foreseeable future?
0: Well, you have to win in the margins, right? Like, that's the reality of it. And you have to, look, let let me backtrack. Let's start with, it has to start with Anthony Davis being healthy. And Anthony Davis is in a situation where this is the one thing Magic Johnson said the other day on first take and get up. Anthony Davis needs to kind of revisit what he's doing in the offseason to get himself into the proper shape to be able to sustain an 82-game season or even come close to that, for that matter. And Amber and I talked about this the other day when I came on the show where there's a couple of things. After they won the championship, he came in out of shape that year. And, of course, he subsequently got hurt. This past season, he came in in good shape, physically looking in good shape, but bulked up too much his body couldn't handle that and I think that that was clearly a mistake so they're going to have to figure out a happy medium for him plus I talked to a, a hall of famer probably a couple of months ago and we were talking about Joel Embiid in particular about how he no longer is someone who's dealing with the injury bug as much as he used to and this particular hall of famer who will remain nameless said to me yes yeah, footwork has gotten so much better it's incredible." And I asked him about Anthony Davis' footwork, and he kind of shrugged his shoulders. And it's like he said, if you have good footwork as a big man, you will be able to do your best to mitigate injuries. And all those things are things that Anthony Davis needs to look at when he looks at himself in the mirror and say, can I do a better job at this stuff to be able to be available on the floor? Because if Anthony Davis is available on the floor, he's a top-ten player easily in the sport. But the problem is he's just not available.
2: George Sonano, ESPN NBA reporter on with Amber Wilson, Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So you mentioned, George, that the Lakers will probably try to hire a coach uh, before the draft. There's already the rumors circulating, one of those being that they're going after Nick Nurse. I'm sure there's going to be other rumors out there. But let me ask you what maybe is a crazy question, considering we're talking about the Lakers. How attractive of a job is this? If you're if you're talking about somebody like a Nick Nurse who you know won a championship not far removed and uh, has a good job as a head coach elsewhere, would you sign up for this? Even though we're talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis,
0: it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure because you have LeBron who's aging, you have an, another superstar that we just discussed who has availability issues because of his injury history, and then it's just the Insanity of Los Angeles and it being the Lakers. (laughs) So it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Nick Nurse is an interesting name only because, let's face it, he dealt with a very tumultuous situation that year with Kawhi. That was not an easy situation to manage. And I thought he did an incredible job managing that situation. But here's the thing you could talk about Nick Nurse, you could talk about Quinn Snyder, you could talk about Doc Rivers, all these names that are being floated out there. All those guys are under contract. You're going to have to trade assets to get those guys. And as Chris mentioned earlier, Amber, they don't have a ton of those. <laughs> so are you going to trade your 2027 first-round pick for Nick Nurse? I mean, Nick Nurse is a great coach. I think he's one of the best tacticians in the sport. But is that what you're going to do? Because Masai Ujiri is not just going to hand over Nick Nurse. That's not going to happen. So now, the name that I've been throwing out there for weeks on my show in L.A. on 710 ESPN is Jawan Howard because number one, there's a relationship there with Rob Polinka. They were teammates at Michigan, okay? And then he has a relationship with LeBron James, both as a teammate and an assistant coach. So there's a mutual respect there amongst what I would call the two biggest power brokers in the franchise, in LeBron and Rob Polinka. So I think that that's a place to start. And I believe that name might have been tossed out today, but we've been talking about it for weeks because it makes sense. And Jawan is an NBA guy he's done a nice job at Michigan I know all the stuff about the handshake but whatever don't even get me started on that but Jawan is an NBA guy and I think that Jawan as a head coach makes a lot of sense and you don't have to trade any assets for him so I I would certainly key in on Jawan Howard as a real possibility
1: George last question from me I know that one of the faces for the Lakers failure this season has been Russell Westbrook any chance that he stays on this Lakers roster? Do they move on from him? And how do they accomplish that this offseason?
0: So, I, again, this is me recklessly speculating. Just not – not. I am not reporting this. I don't know this to be true. But when I came on with Amber last week, we talked about this a little bit. And Chris, it involves the Knicks, who you mentioned earlier. I I, I said this. If you look at Russell Westbrook, and I know that Zach Lowe talked about some trades with Indiana. as They're looking to get off guys like Buddy Heald and maybe Malcolm Brogdon. Maybe that's a possibility. But my point is, for you to get off Russell Westbrook, you're going to have to take on longer-term contracts. But if your longer-term contracts are younger players, like Zach's uh, speculation, and again, that was speculation. He wasn't reporting anything, of Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon. But the Knicks, to me, have guys that I think make sense, too whether uh, Julius Randle, Chris, you know this as well as anyone, he cannot come back to the New York Knicks next season, I think. I think that 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 ship has sailed. That thing is a mess uh, on both sides. Julius Randle makes about $26, $26, $27 million, I believe, Mm -hmm. and you've got Evan Fournier. So the Lakers could take Julius Randle back, who they drafted, and you have what I think is – Basically, insurance, if Anthony Davis does go down again. At least it's someone who can play not exactly the way Anthony Davis plays, but he's a big who's versatile, who you can play with and play through and play with LeBron. And you throw in, like, an Evan Fournier who's got two years on his deal plus a team option. So, yeah, you got to take back longer-term deals, whether that's Randall and Fournier or Brogdon and Heald. That's your only out with Russell Westbrook if you're not going to attach picks which I would advise, again, because, again, the the earliest pick you can deal is 2027, and beyond that, it's 2029, and I, I wouldn't feel comfortable trading picks that far out.
1: Well, George, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon with this saga that will be the Lakers this offseason. Thanks again, friend. You got it, guys.
0: Take care. Have a great show.
1: All right, that's ESPN LA 710's George Sedano jumping on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, the NBA play-in schedule is set, and one of the favorites is about to lock horns with a team that one of their star players is very familiar with. We'll break it all down coming up in a few minutes. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canney, ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Candy in Line, 888 say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Amber, the play in schedule for the NBA is set with the regular season ending yesterday. We now have the matchups that we're going to see in the week leading up to the NBA playoffs. And on deck first on Tuesday. The Brooklyn Nets hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 7-8 matchup in the Eastern Conference. And, of course, the Nets ended their regular season on a high note, beating the Pacers 134-126, and Kevin Durant dropping a 20-point triple-double in which he set a career high for assists. And, of course, Kyrie Irving dropping 35. But that wasn't the biggest news that we got from the Brooklyn Nets over the weekend. The biggest news is that we have – the potential to see Ben Simmons as early as the first round of the NBA playoffs if the Nets advance past the play-in tournament. So i got to ask you, the Brooklyn Nets coming into the NBA play-in, we figured that they would still going to be one of those teams that would be a title contender, but does that, move, does that move the needle for you with Ben Simmons potentially being in the lineup for this team to actually compete for a championship?
2: Well, first of all, Chris, wake me up when it's actually happening, right? Because I'm so (laughs) tired of talking about whether it's going to happen. So I'll believe it when I see it. But if in fact I see it, then yeah, it matters because we know with Brooklyn, they need that help defensively so much. And of course he would provide that. At least we think so. The last time that we saw him, he was an elite, elite, elite defender in the NBA. I haven't seen him play basketball in a really long time, Chris Canty, and I have a hard time believing that it dude just rolls into things in the playoffs and he looks like him like he hasn't lost a step particularly coming off of a ruptured disc the back injury I would imagine it would still be bothering him to at least some semblance of a degree and then getting his legs back under him and seeing what kind of conditioning and shape he's in for actual not just basketball but playoff basketball at that that level and that pace of play but any help that the Nets could get defensively, I think would be a huge boost to that Nets team because that's where the questions are for that team. So it does move the needle some. There's just so many question marks, though, surrounding it for me that I'm not willing to really make much of it because I, first of all, like I said, have a hard time believing it's even going to happen because we've all been theorizing it's going to happen for so darn long. But then if it does happen, I just don't know what he's going to look like.
1: Well, here's the thing that I'm excited about, Amber. The fact that the Nets did lock up the seventh seed and Milwaukee is actually going to be in the third seed so it's not a situation where we're potentially going to get Nets bucks in the first round of the playoffs to me that has to be the win for the NBA and then beyond that you're talking about Kyrie Irving going up against his former team in the Cleveland Cavaliers in the play-in tournament and if they win that game at home on Tuesday then you're talking about Kyrie Irving going up against another one of his former teams in the Boston Celtics and we know that the Celtics fans have no love for Kyrie Irving up there. So I I just think from an NBA rating standpoint, this has got to be super spicy in terms of the prospects and the Brooklyn Nets being front and center when it comes to the biggest stage that the NBA has to offer. But here's Kyrie Irving in his own words about how he feels going into the play-in matchup against his former Cavaliers. Take a listen.
2: Let's get it on. This is a special time of the year uh, going against... A team such as the Cavaliers is, is um is something to look forward to. I think somebody's in the back room uh, hip hip hooray, and whoever created the play in tournament. Because last year you get Steph and LeBron. This year you get me and Katie <laughs> going against the Cavs in the playing game. And then you have in the Western Conference Minnesota and uh, the Clippers. So uh, I guess somebody's in the back room saying that this works.
1: Well, I mean, listen, it's exciting for the NBA. I don't know where uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers fans are in all of this because I'm pretty sure that they don't want to be seeing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the NBA, in the play-in game, especially given that this team in the first half of this NBA season was a top half of the Eastern Conference type of team.
2: I don't think anybody wants to be seeing those guys in a a play-in game or in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, the truth is, if you asked any of these players, they would all say, listen, we have to get through them sometime anyway. It's on our way to a championship, right? And we're all out here to win a championship. That's what everybody would say. The reality is, Chris, nobody would want to play Kevin Durant if they could avoid it very, very early on in the playoffs. But This is working out beautifully for the NBA. Adam Silver has to be thrilled that you're getting these play-in tournaments with LeBron in a play-in scenario last year or or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in a play-in scenario this year. And this is where the juice is in this play-in tournament because no offense to everybody else playing in the play-in tournament, but Brooklyn is by far the most interesting team that you do have them sitting there at seventh right now in this play-in scenario. I don't want to take anything away from what the Cavs have done this season. They got a boost when Evan Mobley returned to the lineup. They, you know, dismantled a Milwaukee Bucks skeleton squad. So I don't know if we can make much of how the Cavs' season ended. It's going to come down a lot how effective they can be uh, for, to whether Jared Allen is going to be available there for their first play-in game. But the Cavs have done a great job this season. That's not the interesting matchup. The interesting matchup is whoever the Brooklyn Nets are going to see next. I mean, that's that's where the juice is, right? Even even if it's Kyrie's old team. With the Cavs, Uh, Kyrie's other old team that he spent barely any time on in, in the Celtics is the more much more interesting matchup because of what the C's have done here in the second half of the season, because Jason Tatum is having the best season of his career. So that'll be a much juicier matchup if that, in fact, is the matchup that we get.
1: No doubt about it. And you're basically talking about two teams that are on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how they're constructed and what their identities are. Boston is one of the best defensive teams in all of basketball, and the Nets are one of the best offensive teams. Amber, really quick, I got to ask you this question. Outside of the Milwaukee Bucks. Are the Brooklyn Nets the team that you would put money on to come out of the Eastern Conference? Are they that second team that you would put money on? I mean, where do you have You're them in terms of you sleeping on that one seed,
2: prospects? Chris Canty. you sleeping on that one seed in my I Miami am sli- Heat. I
1: am sleeping on Miami, even though Oladipo just dropped 40. I'm still sleeping hard. I'm sleeping hard on the Heat right now.
2: Uh, wake up because they have been the one seed basically the entire season uh, and have dominated. I do think Brooklyn of course is the easy play in terms of the attention. I think Brooklyn is a very, very interesting storyline. I do think like my money would still be on the bucks over the nets, frankly, but there are several teams still in the East to me that I would give that sort of credence to where I would Not be surprised if they take the East. The Heat, although I was being a homer, are one of those teams. So are the Celtics. Frankly, so are even maybe the 76ers who might figure it out here uh, in the playoffs. But I do think that the Nets being a 7th seed, it makes it so much more interesting to me, Chris, that we're talking about a team that is at the 7th seed, and yet is that interesting, like as if they're a top seed in the East. And it's such a fun scenario, frankly, I think, for basketball fans.
1: Very interesting. So Amber Wilson not willing to say that the Brooklyn Nets are head and shoulders above the rest of the Eastern Conference field. No. Why would you for put the them Milwaukee head and Bucks?
2: shoulders above the rest of the East, frankly? Like, what have we <sighs> seen from them other than Kevin Durant and his greatness. And I understand like that dude was practically out there winning an Eastern conference finals by himself. If his shoes had been smaller, Last season, Kevin Durant's great mix, I'm not going to take anything from, but they have yeah. been too injured. They have the same chemistry problems because none of the, as the Lakers, we talked about them earlier in the show because the Nets also haven't had enough time together. There's been a lot of inconsistency. I, I don't know if it's going to click. I don't know if we're going to get Ben Simmons out there to help them defensively. Like I, I have no idea why you would be any more confident, frankly, in the Nets than anybody else. And I do think, frankly, people are sleeping on the heat. Like the Heat were in the NBA Finals two years ago. People seem to forget that.
1: Yeah, people do forget that the Heat, they always make they always have solid showings in the playoffs under Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley, so they're definitely going to be one of the teams to watch. But, Amber, we're spending all this time talking about Eastern Conference teams. We've got to head out west because we had a career day from John Morant and, oh, by the way, that guy, Clay Thompson, he showed up again in a big way over the weekend. we got to hit all of that with the Warriors, with the Grizzlies, with the west of the Western Conference field. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And Amber, we had some, some interesting theater down in Augusta National this weekend at the Masters with Scotty Scheffler, the world number one player, winning the Masters. And the most interesting part about everything, the, the most dramatic scene, was when he was walking up to the green on 18, Amber, and he had a five-stroke lead. Going on to that green, and he four putts and only wins the Masters by three strokes. But really impressive performance for him for the tournament from start to finish, and becomes now just the fifth world number one to win the Masters since the rankings began in 1986. Joining Dustin Johnston, Tiger Woods, Fred Kuppel, and Ian Woosnam. Now, that's been a heck of a run for Scotty Scheffler this year. He's won his first PGA Tour event. This year and he's won four of the last six tournaments that he's played in. So essentially capping a heck of a run for him, a heck of a start to 2022 by being able to bring home the most prestigious trophy, the most prestigious championship that the sport has to offer.
2: Top of the leaderboard all four days. The top of the world rankings all spring. Well, spring. I guess I put in air quotes. I don't. I don't know if it's spring up there for y'all yet. Chris Canty. It's never spring down here in Florida, right? We have one season all year long. But he <laughs> has been absolutely crushing it the last few months for Scottie Scheffler. And you're right. It was so funny that ice in his veins, and he's on such a hot streak, and he dominates the entire tournament long, and then he walks up on 18, and there's no way he's losing this thing. He has made two. Point seven million dollars in that mm. moment he knows it he walks up there and then he kind of messes up that moment a little bit because i guess that is where the nerves get him finally that is where they catch up to him he did say afterwards when he was doing his green jacket interview that that helped him not be so emotional after the tournament helped him get through all the interviews and all the press stuff Without crying, because it kind of eased things the way that that ended there. But just a remarkable feat for a 25 year old who is just on the hottest of hot streaks that you can have in golf.
1: No doubt about it. And that's what makes golf great, right? Because you get these emerging stars. And this is a product of what we saw from Tiger Woods just giving birth to, you know, his dominance, giving birth to this generation of golfers that take care of their body. They're better athletes. And Scotty Scheffler is just the latest in a long line of those guys. And for him, I think the moment that really stood out for me was that par four number three hole where he had the pitch shot and he had a nice little bump and run and hold it for birdie. To me, that was the most impressive part because in the final pairing, you know, there there was back to back birdies and you know, he just parred the first couple of holes and he said after he won the event that it was all about having a clean card and that was really the first moment that he had where it actually crystallized for him that he could actually win the Masters.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: Amber Wilson and Chris Canney on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects small businesses with affordable coverage options. Quote today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. And Amber, Ja Morant looked pretty doggone good this weekend, dropping 55, 55, well, well, excuse me, the Memphis Grizzlies dropped 55 points in one quarter in a win over the Pelicans this weekend. And John Morant, of course, did his thing as well. And having him on that team on the court just takes it to a whole nother level. But, I mean, John Morant being back with the Memphis Grizzlies, it's what everybody in the NBA wants to see. And he's clearly the catalyst for that team. Uh, you know, shot 50% from the field, 21 points and nine assists. But I think overall – this is one of the teams that everybody is looking at in the Western Conference because of their depth as a true title contender.
2: Yeah, he'd been on that sore, sore knee since March 18th. He returned with a zero rust on that knee, it appears. And I think that's what's important here for the Grizzlies as they head into the postseason. Now, we've seen the Grizzlies... At times, uh, often, in fact, this season, apparently not need John ja Morant. That has been a weird thing with this Memphis Grizzlies team, but that supporting cast has really stepped up in his absence. Mm-hmm. You need him, though, for the playoffs, Chris Canty. I mean, it's wholly unrealistic to think that the Grizz could get anything done here if they don't have their superstar out there for the playoffs. And so a very good thing for Grizzlies fans as they're watching John ja Morant just absolutely light it up against the Pelicans on Saturday because it shows that he will be ready and he'll be ready for This postseason, I still have a hard time believing in the Grizzlies getting anything done (laughs) only because, again, just youth and inexperience. That's the only thing. I I just always feel like, hey, experience kind of matters in the postseason. But that's the only knock I have against that Memphis team because otherwise they are phenomenal. They've been a really exciting team all season long. And, man, Jaw is so fun to watch.
1: No, he is fun to watch, Amber. But speaking of experience, you got another guy that has a lot of experience. And he was absolutely getting it done this weekend, and that would be one. Clay Thompson, Amber, who just decided that he wanted to take his turn against the New Orleans Pelicans, and Clay Thompson goes off for forty-one points yesterday in the Golden State Warriors regular season finale, where finale where they bounced the Pelicans one twenty-eight to one o seven, and that's the other team in the West to me that can challenge the Phoenix Suns and get to an NBA Finals. It's a three-team race in the Western Conference, in my opinion, between the Suns, the Warriors, and the Memphis Grizzlies. And I got to say, Amber, with Klay Thompson doing what he did, 16-29 from the field, 7-14 from three-point range, if he's capable of being a knockdown shooter and you get back a healthy Steph Curry to go along with what Draymond Green does defensively as well as Jordan Poole, this is going to be a tough out for anybody. And like you mentioned – Because they've been there and done that and they've been in playoff wars, this team understands what playoff intensity is all about. There's not going to be that learning curve that they're up against like the Memphis Grizzlies. So I got to tell you, if you had to put money on one of these teams to make a deep run and potentially get to an NBA finals, which one of them would it be?
2: Outside the Suns, <laughs> or are we including the Suns, the Suns in Outside this conversation? Of the Suns. Outside I'm of fine.
1: the Suns, because the Suns seem like the obvious answer, right? Everybody's right. Been picking, the Suns have the best record in the NBA, and it's eleven games. What, what eleven games clear of the Miami Heat in there? Eight games clear of the Memphis Grizzlies. So everybody knows that it's the Suns' world in terms of their regular season dominance but who's that next team in the western conference is it memphis or is it golden state
2: i don't have a problem with your assessment here of kind of a three-horse race in the west because those are the three teams that i would choose as well but again, I, I do think that the, the concern for me with the Grizz is just experience. But the concern for me with the Warriors is health. So I, I'm very torn between choosing between those two teams. We still don't know the status of Steph Curry, right? I, I yep. mean, we're still not hearing it's going to be apparently down to a wire type of decision. He hasn't advanced to individual or he has inv- advanced to individual shooting work, but he's not participated in team activity yet. So it's all going to come down to health for the worse. It's been a problem for them all Season long for the Grizzlies, they at least appear healthy. It's more of an experience issue. Have ah, you made me choose? I guess I'll still go with the Warriors, just because of the experience factor. But I don't feel great about it.
1: No, you can't feel great about it, especially with what with what we've seen the Memphis Grizzlies do to top competition in the Western Conference, and particularly against the Golden State Warriors. You're, you're talking about a team that's had some regular season success. I want to say they've won three of their four regular season matchups against Golden State. So it's hard to bet against the Memphis Grizzlies, especially when they're capable of having outbursts like we saw in that third quarter in their game against the Pels on Saturday. But coming up next, LeBron James says he wants to compete for championships in L.A., but is that possible? We'll tell you.